Welcome to episode 152 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio, the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary, by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is ready to board a plane this afternoon, John Scott Sloat. Feel rushed this morning, Matt. Feel rushed. Yeah, it's it's a little different vibe for us. So normally we record on Monday afternoons, but you're a mover and a shaker. You you've got people to see, places to go, money to raise, mm-hmm. hands to shake. I mean, so we had to get in the studio early this morning. Yeah, Not, I mean, earlier than it's, normal. This it's is 10 not ten like, a.m. Yeah, yeah, it's like nine forty-five as we're recording this. So, um. But, but I'm, yeah. I'm feeling it. I, I got to hit the road at about noon, got a lunch to get to still. And yeah. Yeah. But this is your wheelhouse. I mean, this is, this is you know. This is normal now. Yeah. Yep. So I'll fly from Indy to Greensboro and then drive a couple hours and stay the night at a lovely hotel for two days. Okay. All right. See some folks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Had delicious turkey. Had good sides and, and some excellent pie. So, okay. probably the addition of the World Cup was a benefit to the Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that instead of watching the parade mostly. So. Okay, but did you you didn't watch that instead of the afternoon football game? The actual well, no. The game the games finish up at about two, so we watched football in the afternoon. Okay, yeah. We'll talk a little World Cup here in a minute, but um, yeah. Yeah, that was it. It's an interesting dynamic to have that around Thanksgiving, which is unusual. I mean, normally it's a summer event, so yeah, it feels yeah. weird. Feels weird, but but good, yeah. good, yeah. And I, I, you know, throwing out tidbits about human rights violations there in uh, <laughs> there in Qatar or Qatar or Qatar or, or however it's pronounced. Yeah. So. I, do we really know how it's pronounced? I, I feel like I've heard it so many different ways from like professional media people, yeah. like three yeah. or four different ways. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. No I, clue. I feel like I hear either Qatar or Qatar. Mm-hmm. That, those are the two leading ones that I hear. Yeah, those are in the clubhouse for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, all right. If you would like to contact the show, you can reach us uh, on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. And – we will once again reiterate our request for a five-star rating and a review. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, John. Want to talk some sports? Let's talk some sports. Do you want to go first? <clears throat> I feel you want I to should. Start, start I, low and go I, high? I feel I should. Okay. I feel I should. Um, there is no other way to say it other than uh, – well, there are, but – the, my preferred way of saying it is um, Ohio State got outplayed and dramatically outcoached, yep. dramatically outcoached. And so as a result, um, lost 45-23. And even though Ohio State led at the half, I could tell we were in some trouble because we had not taken advantage of early opportunities where we could have we could have jumped up 21-3 and made that a very different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, there is simply no excuse for your $2 million a year defensive coordinator calling a game where you end up allowing five touchdowns of over – I think it was over 
40 yards, 35 or 40 yards. Oh, yeah. They were, they were huge, and they were over the top, and they made those DBs look silly. Yes. That, that, was, that might be the worst performance by an Ohio State secondary I may have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that includes the getting torched in the national championship game against Alabama in 2020. Um, well, even on the play, uh, even the long run, uh, that team, that M word had. Uh, <laughs> Which one, John? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they just didn't have a safety over the top to, to be like the second level. Everybody hit the offensive line yeah. and a hole emerged and he just went yeah. right to the end zone. Yep. Terrible, co- terrible coaching in terms of scheme. And um, I mean, the first the first touchdown that the team up north scored was one of those where you're like, okay, you went cover zero, you blitzed. The corner's got to make the tackle. He was yep. in, he was in position. He missed the tackle. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame that on scheme. I don't blame that one on scheme. But two of those long touchdown passes, there was not an Ohio State defender within 20 yards of a guy. Mm-hmm. That's not uh, – that. that's a coaching thing. Oh, yeah. That's an absolute coaching thing. It's uh, it, it's it's embarrassing, quite frankly. So, uh, sadly, um, this is the scary part. Ryan Day is on the path to becoming John Cooper. Yeah, I saw you tweet that after the game, and I he's on that trajectory for sure. Yes, because yeah. John John Cooper started coaching eighty eight, coached for twelve years, right? Ended in two thousand. Yeah, it's somewhere around there, eighty eight, eighty nine, somewhere around there. And he went two and ten. He went – I think he went 2-10-1 against Michigan. OK. In the, in the, I think he coached 13 years actually. Um, so yeah, it's – And he was a good – had a good regular season. Oh, he was, and, an, he was an off-the-charts recruiter. Mm-hmm. We always had more talent than, than Michigan. And, um, and I'd say in the 90s, probably eight of those 12 games – we were the significantly better team on paper mm-hmm. and lost. So um, I, I don't think that's the case here. I, I wouldn't say we were significantly better on paper. We do have more talent than Michigan. But the the cold, hard reality is, is that um, Ryan Day is consistently getting outcoached in games where the coaching matters. Sure. Ohio State has so much talent that in all almost all their games, they have so much more talent that it doesn't matter oftentimes. But when they play a team where there's comparable talent, um, Ryan Day has struggled in coaching in mm-hmm. terms of play calling, in terms of just getting his teams ready. Um, he's won one big game in his in his career where he's played a team with comparable talent. And that was in the 2020 college football playoff against Clemson, the revenge mm-hmm. game. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not on the fire Ryan Day bus. How how many more seasons like this? Because, I mean, they were a top 10 team all year, uh, probably still are a top 10 team. Top five all year. Yeah. And, and honestly, they might still be five is my guess in the college football playoff rankings. So how many years of like, oh, we're going to the – the tournament and then losing to Michigan or having a poor showing against Michigan can Ohio State fans and tolerate. Well, I think he's probably got two more, three more. 
Yeah, I think if he loses two more times to Michigan in a row, that's that's going to be it. But but here's my cautionary tale. You don't want to become Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Because Nebraska was a dominant team in the 90s, nationally relevant. Then Tom Osborne retired. And then they had hired a guy named Frank Solich who was going 10 and 2. And the fan base wasn't happy. So they fired him. And they've been a dumpster fire for 15 years. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for people to think, oh, that can never happen at Ohio State. Well, Alabama was terrible for a decade before Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And so if you lose sight of those realities where it's like, oh, yeah, just fire this guy and get some – like who are you going to get? The only guy that I would have been like, maybe he's worth going after to replace Ryan Day is Luke Fickle. And he just took the job at Wisconsin. Yeah. That's it. I, mm-hmm. I have no other name that I'm like, oh, go get him. Yeah. I don't know who you're going to get. That that you're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be an upgrade. Ryan Day just has to get better. Yeah. He has to he has to do something differently inside that inside that building. Um and so next year's next year's Michigan game will no question be the biggest game of his coaching career. And it's at the big house, right? And it will be in Michigan. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh quickly, uh college football playoff stuff. Uh championship weekend coming up this weekend in terms of conference championships. The the crazy thing is I'm not saying I want this. I'm not saying they deserve this. But Ohio State still has a chance to get even, into the even getting blown out the way they did. I think we'll find out when these when the ratings release. If Ohio State is ranked fifth, I think they have a chance hmm. because Georgia and Michigan are locks, and I think yep. TCU is pretty much a lock as well. Those are undefeated teams. Even if they lose in their conference championship games, I think they're all in. Okay, that leaves the fourth spot. If USC wins the Pac-12 championship, they're in, guaranteed. But if they lose, and that's a losable game for them, Mm -hmm. then you have this conversation because USC would have two losses then. Oregon? Is that who they have? They have Utah, I believe. Utah. Who already beat them once this year. So um, then you're going to have a conversation of, well, do you take a one-loss Ohio State team in that fourth spot? Some people are actually going to clamor for a two-loss Bama team, which is ridiculous. That would only be on name and reputation. Mm-hmm. Only. That's it. Um, but I don't know who else you put in there then if if USC loses. Like it's just it, – after those top three, it's a mess mm-hmm. unless USC wins and then they're a lock. Then they're, then they're in. Yeah. So we'll see. I, but – if we're going to play like that, it's one of those things where – I know this sounds crazy. I'm not sure. I don't really think I want us in the playoff. Do I want us to go and get embarrassed by Georgia? Because Georgia's the better version of Michigan. Yeah. Are we really going to fix everything in, in four weeks if we couldn't fix it all year? Eh, I'm not confident. Yeah. So anyway, enough on that. Uh, your Jets. Yeah. Now we go to the positives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch the game yesterday? I watched I watched most of it. And then once the Jets got a pretty significant lead, I flipped over to watch Titans Bengals. Okay. Well, uh the big news was that they came out this week and announced that Mike White was going to be the starting quarterback and they were 
downgrading Zach Wilson from the first quarterback to third string, and he didn't even suit up. Yeah, he was inactive. Yeah. Um, and if you looked at the sidelines, there is Mike White looking at film with his quarterback's coach. Joe Flacco is right next to him. Mm-hmm. Chris Shevler, our uh, practice squad quarterback, is next to him. Yeah. Zach Wilson is all the way at the other end of the bench. Yeah. Not a good look. Nope. Not a good look for no. uh, the Mormon. Um, but Mike White looked really good. Yeah. Uh, Just throw the ball to Garrett Wilson. My goodness. He, he threw the ball to Garrett Wilson a bunch. I mean, Garrett Wilson had eight targets, five receptions, 95 yards. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. He's really good. Yes. Yes, he's been really good. Um, Elijah Moore uh, yeah. also had two catches and a touchdown. Did you see his postgame no. comments? He, like, this is the stuff that is wonderful for documentaries if we ever get to that point. Like, we have to do something significant. But he said after the postgame, I was talking to it, the ball, yesterday. <laughs> and I was saying, baby, 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 I want you, I want you, I want you. Uh and she was saying, just be patient, just be patient, just be patient. <laughs> it was something along those lines. Uh, that's not a direct quote, but it was something like that where he's talking to the football like it's like it's his girlfriend or yeah. wife. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it – was, but it was a great game. Defense turned it on uh, yeah. probably second quarter forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now in fairness, the Bears did not have their usual starter, Justin Fields, who was out that's with the right. shoulder. I don't think that would have mattered. I think they still would have beaten the Bears. I think the Bears would have probably put up a few more points. Yeah. But um yeah, we played we played really well. Okay. So it was it was very encouraging. Um so seven and four now? Is seven right? and four, yeah. Okay. And before the year, did you you did you pick seven and ten, eight and nine? Eight and nine. Okay. That's what I had. Okay. Still a possibility, I suppose. <laughs> but uh but yeah, now if we're that, looking if that happens, it would be the most disappointing eight and nine oh, season you've ever seen, yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we're looking at the playoffs. Um we had another guy. This is also the stuff that documentaries are made of. <laughs> we had a we had a running back come in off the practice squad. Uh Zonovan Knight. Okay. His nickname is Bam. All right. So they, the announcers were like, Bam Knight for nine yards. I mean, that was a great name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, the team played team played really well yesterday. It seemed like everything was clicking. We got the Vikings on Sunday. So looking forward to that game. That should be that should be a good a measuring stick to see where we're at. Uh, yeah, the Vikings, Vikings are, are very good this year. Maybe eight and two, I, seven, and, seven and three. Yeah, eight somewhere and four, around there. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, World Cup, have you been watching? Um, I watched the United States game against England. That's probably okay. the only full game I've really paid attention to. Okay. Um, I had a little text exchange with our British friend. Which one? Um, Ben in the UK. Ben in the UK. Yeah, okay. We'll, what? We'll go there. <laughs> what did he say? He he referred to it as rubbish soccer. From the United States or from 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 England? Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the general consensus is yeah. that England did not play to their potential yeah. for the being the fifth best team in the world by pre rankings. Again, I I don't know a lot about soccer other than the basics, mm-hmm. but uh, in watching that game, the U.S. looked much more like the aggressor. Yep, they were attacking more. 
particularly in the second half. England I'd say. just did not look like either they were fully engaged in the game or were that interested, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I get, I get it in one sense. It's group stage, which drives me crazy that, you know, you play for 90 plus minutes and then it's like, let's just stop. You have zero. We have zero. Let's just stop. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So um, by the time this drops, the uh, we'll, we'll know. But the U.S. plays Iran today. Mm-hmm. As we're recording, so yesterday when this drops, and basically it's they beat Iran and they're in. They're into the into the knockout uh, round. Knockout is what, round. is yeah. what they call it. Yeah, yeah. And that would be very exciting for the United States. That'd soccer. be a big step. Be a mm-hmm. big step. Um, Particularly but, if we could hang like a three four nothing on them, like England yeah. did. But did you did you see this? Like I think the the men's soccer team on social media or something, they posted a graphic. In support of the protesters in Iran. The Iranian soccer team or the The American soccer team posted something in support of the Iranian protesters. Sure. uh, Which was basically some sort of modification of the Iranian flag. Oh. And so, you know, this has, of course, caused outrage. Now, again, who knows if that means anything. But – Maybe a little bit more juice uh, on that matchup uh, when it comes to um, to that today. So we will see. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy watching it, even though I really don't know uh, a lot about. I have a general sense of what teams are better than others, but yeah. So um, let's see. Yeah, NBA. I have not really watched much NBA, and then college basketball. I just will note, uh, Purdue is off to a very good start. They yeah. smacked Duke, and they beat Gonzaga before that. So they're they're looking very strong uh, so far this year. Um, That'll be fun locally to see Purdue play yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but again, I don't tend to start paying attention to college basketball until after Christmas for the most part. Now, there are some high-profile games. Like this week is the Big Ten ACC Challenge and Ohio State plays Duke at Cameron Indoor. So oh, that'll be fun. I think that's Wednesday night. Um, we'll see how Ohio State responds to that. I'm not terribly optimistic there. But um, anyway, we should, uh, we should probably move on, don't you think? Yep, I think so. So today we are talking what we're reading. Coming into the break. Yeah. Coming into the holidays. Yeah. Here. So we thought maybe this would be helpful uh, if you're looking for some book recommendations or some gift ideas potentially for – Well, and we like year. to do this a couple times a year usually. Yeah. Just sort of just sort of an update on like, oh, what's got our attention right yeah. now. And so either what we're currently reading or what we've recently read or maybe what we're about to read. So it's kind of a broad category. And I don't know about you, but the holidays usually provide a little extra time to read. Um, for me, there's yes. usually a vacation in there. There's usually uh, extended time at home, yeah. and that provides more time to read. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, but before we get into that, yeah, something you all should read. We have breaking news. <laughs> we don't. We we haven't broken out the breaking news jingle, but we need to, right? Oh yeah. Bum, 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 bum. We published a book. We did. You and I. Yeah, isn't that weird? John Sloat, <laughs> Matt Harmon published a book. 
Yes. Yeah, that feels weird to say yeah. out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this. Um, I think we've mentioned it maybe, but uh, the Gospel Coalition website uh, is putting together a series of free online commentaries, and we have contributed the Second Peter commentary for that. And yeah. it is now up and live. Yep. We you got can, the email over the weekend, right? Yeah, you can click on the link. We'll put it in the show notes. Yep. And you can access it there. And I think you could do side-by-side side with like the ESV Bible maybe yeah, on there something. and something so, like that. Yes. So it's a it is a streamlined version of my uh, commentary in the ESV Expositors commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is now available. And uh, we are working on the Galatians one for that as well. So that yeah. will – Lord willing, show up somewhat soon as well. The, the holdup is definitely on uh, – 100% on my end on that. So. <laughs> yes, but Second Peter is live yes. and, and in the world. And Yes. Yep. I read the first few sentences and just said, nope, can't do this. It's kind of like <laughs> listening to the podcast. <laughs> so. Uh, OK. So, uh, yeah, go read that. And it's free. Yep. Free. Doesn't cost you a dime. 100% free. There you go. There you go. All right. So, John, let's talk. Uh, we'll kind of go back and forth. How's that sound in that, terms of that sounds good to what, me. what we're either reading, recently read, or looking forward to reading over the break here. So go ahead. Why don't you start us off? So I've mentioned this book before on the pod, uh, and I've been reading it mostly when I travel, but I'm hoping to finish it over uh, the holiday break coming up. Uh, A Gentleman in Moscow. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely mentioned this on pod before, and you said you were going to get a copy. Have you gotten a copy yet? I have not yet tracked it down. Okay. A Gentleman in Moscow by Armour Towels? Tolls? I'm not totally sure (laughs) how how to spell that last name. T-O-W-E-L-S. That that sure looks like towels. Okay. Armour Towels. Armour Towels. What a name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Though, let's be honest. If your last name is Towels, what, what can you put? With that as a first name, that's probably not going to, you know, lead to the kid getting picked on at some point. I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. Um, But A Gentleman in Moscow, I think I've kind of gone over the plot before, right? But uh, this sort of high society uh, Russian uh, elite basically, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Russian Revolution happens. Uh, He gets put on trial in Moscow. And because he has written this lovely poem, he is thrown into house arrest at a hotel uh, for the remainder of his life. Okay. Um, and so it's his life living in this hotel as sort of the Russian Revolution, which went on for 20, 25 years, okay. goes on around him uh, and, and sort of his view of the thing from this sort of like interesting seat inside this hotel. And he doesn't leave the hotel the whole book, at least yet in my reading. Okay. So – yeah. It's about his little adventures inside this hotel. All right. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, a book that I recently read. Um, uh, my friend Ben Glad mm-hmm. wrote a book called From the Manger to the Throne, A Theology of Luke. It's part of the Crossway New Testament Theology series and uh, <clears throat> would highly recommend that. He traces out uh, – Several key themes in Luke. It's very readable. It's very accessible. This is not um, 
The primary audience is not academic, though it certainly is readable from an academic perspective. But uh, even if you're not a big reader, if you just want to understand the gospel uh, according to Luke, and um, you might even find it helpful if you're going to preach out of Luke during uh, the Advent series uh, mm. or Advent season here. Uh, there's some good stuff in there on that. And uh, on a side note, uh, I will mention in passing, Ben and I do a podcast together oh. called the Biblical Theology Briefing. How how large is that book? Uh, the uh, it's less than 200 pages. Okay, so so it's a it's a manageable. Oh book. yeah 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 yeah. And part of what makes that book so good is Ben pays very close attention to Old Testament allusions and echoes that inform how you understand that passage and mm. sheds some really helpful light on passages that you may not have fully appreciated before, fully seen. So uh, highly recommend that. That's Ben Glad from the Manger to the Throne, A Theology of Luke. Nice. And you can uh, – Ben and I actually discussed this book in our most recent episode of the Biblical Theology Briefing podcast um, that launched early in November. So you can go check that out as well. Deep dive on that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I need to I need to get into that series. I have not it's picked terrific. up a book from that series yet. But there's a few. Patrick Schreiner has one in that series. Uh, Patrick Schreiner on Acts. Uh, Tom Schreiner on Revelation. OK. Uh, ben Merkel on Ephesians. And now Ben Glad on mm. Luke. And then mine will be the next one out on – no. Uh, there's oh, – sorry. The volume on Mark will come out in January, and I think mine will come out in February on Second Peter. So nice. So that's off to the publisher for you. Oh, it's been to the publisher for a while. Okay. Yeah, yeah I even filmed some promotional video stuff at ETS for that. So nice. You might see some of that on social media coming up in end of January, beginning. Of How do you do seeing your face on like promotional material for your own books? I mean, I'm not crazy about it, but I don't have the same adverse re- reaction that like you'll do. watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So interesting. <laughs> it's the only way to get better, John. Only way to get better. <laughs> I'm a man committed to improvement. Yeah. So, all right. What's your next book? Uh, Fabric of This World by Lee Hardy. You okay. familiar with this? I'm not. So this is sort of a uh, <clears throat> historical lo- look at vocation and work. Uh, so he does he does a good job of going through. Uh, different views of work from like how the Greeks and Romans viewed work mm-hmm. uh, to how the medieval church viewed work to uh, to how Marx viewed work to how Freud viewed work. It, it sort of does uh, an analysis of each of those, five, ten pages, not long. And then uh, kind of does a deep dive on the reformed view of work. Uh, and I'm just getting into how Luther viewed work, how Calvin viewed work, and how, how they saw mm-hmm. that fitting into – Fitting into life and uh, vocation, so okay, yeah, that's that's one of my vocation. Sort of one of those things I've enjoyed reading about, mm-hmm. and I oversee a grant for our university, so I try to stay uh, up to date Current. on those things. Yeah, um, yeah and vocation is one of those things where it's like, what's your purpose? What's this? And and it can be so inundated with people who just like, well, I feel this, and this is my purpose now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, I really love reading the reformers and how they bring sort of that that idea of purpose to the forefront of 
what sits at the center of that is love yeah. of neighbor. And I, and I find that really helpful as a framing device mm-hmm. for uh, discussion of purpose, discussion of uh, vocation. Yeah, I think um, this is one of the areas where I think a, a liberal, liberal arts institution like Grace College mm-hmm. can be distinctive in terms of um, – the goal of going to college is not just get the necessary credentialing and skills so you can get a job on the other end. Yeah. That is an important part. We're not denying that that should be an important piece. But for us as believers, rooting that in a much larger context of understanding who God has made us to be, mm-hmm. what his purposes in the world are, and even how – we are to use our gifts and abilities in the broadest sense, in a sense of calling, what has God called us to, not in a subjective sense of I just have this you know, sort of warm, fuzzy feeling that I want to do this, but a more holistic, let's have other people speak into your life. Let's look at gifts, abilities, and frame that theologically mm-hmm. within the scope of who God is, what he's doing in the world is, is uh, someplace that a school like Grace, I think, can contribute to that conversation Absolutely. in a distinctive yeah. way. All right. My next one um, is a book I've been looking forward to. I picked up a copy at ETS. I've read a little into it. Uh, Five Views of Christ in the Old Testament, obviously one of my areas of specialty. Oh, yeah. And that's so, a is that a is that a reprint or a re or they have a similar book of a similar topic, right? It's essentially a replacement. Is it really? Yeah, the previous okay. volume was weak. Cuz you did you have us read that yes. in class? Unfortunately, I I made that mistake, yes. <laughs> it it's just not very good. Like it's it was a three views when I'm like okay, well none of these views really captures where I'm at. Yeah. At least in this five views, there's one view, one one essay that I'm like, that gets where I'm at. It's by Jason, uh, Jason DeRushi at, mm. uh, at Midwestern. So Nice. Um, yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I've, di- I've read a little bit into it so far. Um, Who are the other contributors? I know it's off the top of your head, but do you... So uh, John Goldengay. Okay. Um, Tremper Longman. Okay. The G- third? Yes. <laughs> Uh, there's an there's a female Indian scholar whose name I cannot remember, and even if I could, I probably could not pronounce it properly. Okay. Uh, Jason Derushi and um, Craig Carter is, oh. is the last hmm. one there. So, very very interesting. Um, so far, it seems pretty readable. It's not like so deeply technical that a layperson couldn't read it. Yeah. Sometimes the, that series, because is that the Point and Counterpoint it's series? It's the Counterpoint series, yeah. So sometimes that one can get a little in the weeds. Yeah, for uh, sure. In some in some essays. Um, yep. All right. My, am I, are we on my third one? Yep. Okay. Uh, a new <clears throat> biography about John Wickham uh, has recently been released in the last six months. Okay. Uh, so John Wickham, former professor at Grace, uh, probably more interesting for me is I went to high school with his grandson. Did you know this? I'm not sure I did. Maybe I did. Yeah. So in, in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, yeah. So uh, John Wickham's son uh, is both a PhD and MD in at the at the University of Pennsylvania, or excuse me, uh, University of Pittsburgh. Okay. And so uh, his grandson went to my little Christian school. 
uh, that I was at. And we were, you know, there's only so many people there. So we were right. friends. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I do have a bit of a fascination uh, with that biography. And it's written by uh, uh, my friend's dad. So I'm interested in reading that. It's from a tiny, tiny little publisher. Okay. Um, so, so a it, son writing a biography of his dad. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Interesting. So Dave Wickham is the author, and it's about his father, John. Okay. Who was a professor at Grace for, yeah. for a number of years. So yes. I'm excited to to read through that. I think it's coming out in two parts, and the first part is out. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, I'll just mention my next one quickly. Uh, book by Benjamin Laird, The Pauline Corpus in Early Christianity, Its Formation, Publication, and Circulation. So that's just an area of interest in terms of uh, how do we go from these disparate letters that Paul wrote into a collection of letters hmm. that that was um, copied and then distributed to uh, throughout the churches in the first century. What was that oh, I'm process sure that's like? Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, what can we know? What can we reasonably hypothesize about that process? Um, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. I picked it up at ETS, kind of skimmed through it and looked and said, I will enjoy this book, I think. So okay. that's on the we'll – probably read it over – maybe read it over Christmas break. Scholarly end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean a well-read layman can probably work through it, hmm. but it's – the audience is more scholarly. OK. So. Um, my last one, and mm-hmm. I, I can do this quickly. Uh, I've been reading a Martin Luther biography. So by Herman Selderhus or Heiss. I think it's Selderheiss, yeah. Uh, so that's been really good. That's been really enjoyable. He's just a fascinating human being. He really is. Um, and what I appreciate is he doesn't shy away from some of Luther's <laughs> like – Well, how do you avoid them if you're going to be any, even if you're gonna be honest about it? But about like the introduction talked about his bathroom issues. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and it comes up throughout the, throughout yeah. the book. and. A couple of things have struck me about this because I'm, I'm probably 75 percent of the way through it. A couple of things have struck me. One, Luther was all about Greek and Hebrew. I mean, yeah. all about it. Um, love to love to think. Love to, you know, um, argue from it. Yeah. The other thing that struck me is how much he blames the devil for things. Oh yes. Like everything is yes. the devil. Yes. Like constipation. Oh yeah, headaches. Yep. Uh, uh, bad storms. Yep. You know, all, all these things are Satan. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's, and we probably have overcorrected it. That's overcorrected in the other way. We're nothing. Yes. We don't. We would never vocalize like, oh, well, this is Satan. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. Yes. Um, my last one here is a book by Brian Rosner. How to find yourself? Why looking inward is not the answer. So. Uh, Crossway, very readable. I've probably read about, I don't know, 40% of it, but like kind of dipped in and read sections and that sort of thing in in use for other things. But um, I have a a sneaking suspicion that um, this is not the last time we will speak about that book. Okay. Do you know Rosner? I do. Okay. I do. So pregnant pauses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what develops from that uh, in the future. So, um, spoiler alert: there, uh, 
we might uh, might do a little bit more with that book in the future. So okay, ready to move on, John? We probably should. Sure. Time for this day in sports history. All right, uh, this day in sports history, November twenty second, not twenty ninth. I, oh, I, I did, goodness, I, you're right. Twenty ninth. I didn't change the date up there, but the but the information here is from the twenty ninth. So. Also, uh, today when this drops is Giving Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so we are on a campaign right now <laughs> to raise half a million dollars by the end of the calendar year, and Giving Tuesday kicks that off. So if you would like to make a large donation to Grace, it's grace.edu slash give. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this day in sports history, November 29th, uh, 2022. Uh, 1962, Major League Baseball decides to uh, revert to one all-star game per year after four seasons in which two all-star games were played. I did not know that. I had no idea that that – like, I, I don't When? Even, yeah. Like, uh, do you break the season up into, like, thirds then and do it, like, after the first That's third? That's a great the, question. I have no clue. That's so bizarre to me. Interesting. Uh, 1966, uh, first NBA game at Oakland Coliseum Arena. Warriors beat the Bulls 108-101. Okay. Yeah, Oakland uh, – they no longer play there. They didn't they tear that Oracle. down. Oracle, Oracle. They played Oracle. Well, but they. I thought they tore. They built a brand new arena. Recently. It, yeah, like a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, it's called Oracle Arena, right? Right. So I think they the the, the Oakland, original guy the original original Oakland shocked. Coliseum I think is okay. like, no longer in existence. Uh, Nineteen seventy England cricket batsman <laughs> Colin Cowdery. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, reaches 22 on day three of the drawn first <laughs> test against Australia in Brisbane to become Test Cricket's leading run scorer, passes countryman Wally Hammond's world test record aggregate of 7,249 runs. I, do, I just read a sentence. I have no <laughs> clue what that means. That's exactly why I put it in there. That and as a sort of hat tip to our, our friend Ben in the UK, which I don't know if he's into cricket. I know he's into into soccer. But um, yeah, isn't it fascinating? I, I, the part of the reason I put this in here is it's a reminder to us that that's what our sports talk sounds like to some of our audience and why they probably skip it. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it's another language. It's um, so. Yeah. What is Test Crickets? I have. I have no idea. Is that a team? I uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe we need some help from our uh, from our audience on that. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what what we even just said. And does Colin <laughs> Cowdery's uh, record still stand? It's a fair question. I'm not sure. All right, uh, moving on uh, to English or American English. American uh, English, yes. 1987, Joe Montana of the San Francisco 49ers completes NFL record 22 consecutive passes. Yeah, that might that might have been eclipsed by now as well, but that's still impressive. I imagine so. Still impressive. Yeah, yeah. 22 yeah. passes in a row. Indeed, indeed. Oh, so, my. What do you like out of that, John? I have no clue. Um, man, you would, you would think November 29th would have I, – I, I was struggling. An in, in OSU game in there that was uh, – That's pretty late. 
It's pretty late in the year. Um, something from NFL football. Uh, I mean, Joe Montana is in twenty two is impressive, but it's not amazing. Yeah. Like yep. it's not like went two straight games with, with, without an incompletion. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't really care that the Oakland Coliseum was built. Um, yeah. I think we got to go with Colin Cowdery, even though we have no clue what we're saying. Sure. I uh, I assume those are positive things and I, not like I assume so. Like if I just added in the word butt fumble or something <laughs> it would it would make just as much sense. Probably. Probably. Okay. One thing you liked. Uh since I leave on the road today, I'm going to hype an app that I've been using for my travels uh called Trip It. Okay. Trip It. Um it has both a app and a online portal. And so what happens is is I get flight details. I send it off to TripIt. They have a little email address I send it to. Automatically gets organized for me. And then I can go in and add meetings, things like that with addresses. It all comes up in the app. I can click on them and go right to Google. Very, very handy so I don't miss anything. Okay. Yeah, that does sound handy. And and 100% free. <clears throat> TripIt. TripIt. Okay. One word. All right. So for me, um, on the flight back from ETS, I watched the documentary Facing Nolan. Have you seen this? I have not. No. So it was on the is on the flight, uh, and I did a little looking, and I think it's on Netflix. Hmm. It was terrific. It was really well done. It's a documentary about Nolan Ryan. And he's come up several times in our sports uh, – sort of this day in sports history because uh, I think people don't – I think he gets kind of lost in the shuffle sometimes. He was historically great. Yeah. He struck out over 5,000 batters in his major league career. Well, he went out to do a like ceremonial first pitch maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still think he threw the ball like upper 80s. Yeah. And he um, – the, the documentary does a good job of tracing his career, talking with his family and um, kind of tracking his his rise. Um, and there's some epic clips on um, on social media or, even, or probably YouTube where if you, if you search for Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura, there's a famous clip of where Robin Ventura charges the mound and um, – like Robin Ventura at that point was probably like 12, maybe 15 years younger than Nolan Ryan. Charges the mound after Nolan Ryan threw a little too close to him or hit him. I can't remember. A little chin music. Yeah. Charges the mound and Nolan Ryan basically gets him in this like hold where he's going to give him like a noogie and is just like got him around the neck and is just uppercutting him in the face and beating the snot out of him. Hmm. And then there's another clip where – uh Nolan Ryan uh, took a – there was a, a ground ball up the middle. It hit him in the lip and so it started bleeding. And so he's, he pitched. They would, they would clean it up today. Like they would go out and have a medical person. Like, but he was like – he split his bottom lip. Mm-hmm. And so he's got blood running down his chin all over his jersey and he just looks like the nastiest, meanest looking dude in the, on the planet. So it's there's just a lot of hmm. good stuff in there. Very much worth watching. It's relatively short. I mean, it's like a little over. An, I think it's like an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty. Interesting. So and and the fact that he pitched for your Miracle Mets, yeah, uh, you will enjoy it. 
this is right up your alley. So um, I'm well. I have a flight today. There you, you know, go. I, I um, am going to going to download it right now. Facing Nolan uh, on Netflix. Assuming it's on Netflix. Yes, I, I I'm pretty sure I I looked before the show here. So, all right. We have talked. Oh, and the cover has him as a Mets player. That's there you wonderful. go. Yes, we have talked football. We have talked what we are reading. We have talked about cricket, which we do not understand. We have talked about an app that Slope finds helpful. Very helpful. And we've talked about a documentary on Nolan Ryan. And so I think by definition... We have covered our various and sundry topics, and so all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.